This is episode 39 of The Modern Recordist, and I've got another in-studio guest with me today. It's going to be another great chat about what it's like to be a music creator in the modern world of making music. I'm super excited to get into another great episode, and I'm glad all you modern recorders are spending some time hanging out with me and my guests today. This is the podcast where we talk all about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer and recording engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artistic visionary in my own right. And I welcome you to episode 39 of The Modern Recordist. With me today is a recording artist and songwriter who also calls Nashville home. He's a creative visionary and someone who has a well-thought-out philosophy towards making records in our modern times. I'm really looking forward to our conversation as we connect on so many levels. Friends, please welcome my guest, Lane Abernathy, playing us into the show with his song, Angel on My Shoulder. Oh, but 
song dude thanks man dude thanks for being here man this is awesome i'm really excited that you're yeah this is great this is my first podcast so i'm really excited well cool man this is my 39th podcast congratulations it's uh it's fun man and uh yeah uh, i'm I'm enjoying this so yeah man um i'm trying to think about like you and i connected a long time ago in the music scene and then it's kind of been um how it is with like the national music scene it's just kind of you know like you don't you see people around all the time and then you, and then like you know you get involved in your own projects and you kind of get isolated like i have a tendency to kind of like isolate myself in the studio for long periods of time and yeah there was like a long a long time where like i didn't see you around and then um and then like not too long ago we bumped back into each other and been able to catch back up and now you're on the show and um Dude, I'm I'm super excited. This is this has been fun because we've been connecting on a lot of cool things lately. Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Yeah, it seems like there were a few times when we were like, "Is that John? Is that Lane?" Yeah. Hi. But I'm glad I'm glad we finally yeah. made the connection. Yeah, man. Because it's a good thing. I've been enjoying our conversations and 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 digging deep into into what it's all about. Yeah, man. Me too. So. Um, yeah, man, the uh, that song um, "Angel on My Shoulder." Yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's a killer song, dude. You have a, you have Thanks. an awesome you have an awesome voice, um, and uh, that was that, that was a fun performance to to, to watch and listen to. Oh, I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's an interesting song for me. Um, I uh, I wrote it right after the Paris terrorist attacks. Okay, so it's ones. so it's a it's a pretty yeah recent about song. the the um, the what is it? Um, Eagles of Death Metal show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. they just murdered a bunch of people. Um, and right around that time, this uh, young woman had. It was she was a musician, and she had friended me on Facebook just to expand her network. Um, and it was pretty clear what was going on. And then I emailed her. I was like, "Hey, have we met? I mean, not a big deal. I just don't recognize you. If we have, sorry." And she's like, "Oh no, um, we haven't." And I guess she's. <laughs> pretty christian mm-hmm. um and started asking me all these questions and i'm not mm-hmm. um about my philosophy um about life and things like that it seems like she was maybe pretty intrigued on how in how i was living or by how i was living um because um i feel like there's a i feel like for me there's something going on um whatever it is like a path or something an intention reason i'm here mm-hmm. um and it seemed like maybe for her it was hard to wrap her head around the fact that somebody could be 
um, you know, spiritual and moral and giving um, and serving, but outside of a organized, the context mm-hmm. of an organized religion. Yeah. And it was kind of blowing her mind. It seemed like, you know, and it's not like I don't attribute that to me at all. I'm just, I was just the vehicle or whatever. Right. And so a lot of these questions she was asking ended up in the song. It was okay. just like three or four day Facebook email conversation that we were having. Um, and, uh, and then that was right around when the, there's attacks happening. So they were very present on my mind. I was very disturbed by them, mm-hmm. surprised by how much. So, um, and I just kind of processed the whole experience through that. I had that little riff, that little hook. It took me a while to, to hone that in, but then, um, it just kind of happened on its own. A lot of, a lot of the songs I write, it's kind of come to me in a lot of ways. Uh, I like to write from kind of a trance state. Okay. In some some ways. Okay. Um, or just l- at least get the juices flowing that way, um, and then I'll, I'll whittle it away. But so so, um, talk more about that trance state and and kind of what that's like and how you get into it and maybe like what the specifics of it are because that's really interesting. Okay. And there was um, I had another guest on here that I don't know if you're if you guys uh, if you if you know um, uh, uh, Ernest Chapman. Um, uh, I'm not familiar, but, uh, anyway, he's a friend of mine and, uh, he's, he's been in the music scene in Nashville for a little while. And, um, anyway, but he was kind of on, he, he came on the podcast. I'll have to link up in the show notes what, um, episode that was, but, but, uh, he was talking about similar stuff and it was really interesting. Cool. And, and, and so it's, it's something, it, it's not something that I do and, and I'm interested in like oh, learning okay. more about that and like, yeah, that's cool. So, so what is that like? Like, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a particular state of mind, and um, I've researched states of mind a little bit. I'm not going to claim to be an expert or to know everything. If you have any real questions, go to Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, but it seems like we have um, um, different states of mind where our brain, the, the brain waves, the, uh, the measurable waves that are, are whatever, the physical mm-hmm. representation of our consciousness, I guess. Um, you can m- measure those. And I can't recall the details. Just like you know, theta and right, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's a state of mind. I guess you know a lot of people call it flow or yeah. you know trance or whatever. Um, where the the part of your brain, as I recall, is the part that kind of uh, operates like the thinking, like this is me. I am lame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of shut off. And the, the kind of the greater brain power, I feel like, is accessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a place of non-judgment for me. Um, and a lot of times things will come to me like that. They'll kind of come out of me okay. as, I'm, as I'm, I like to tape stuff and play, okay. just kind of go there. Um, and, uh, um, or phrases will come to me. And so for me writing, there's kind of this, this, the two sides, there's that kind of the trance state where, um, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not necessarily meditating, but I'm definitely trying to get to the point where, um, just a little disassociated okay. from my from my body. Okay. Um, I don't feel like I'm floating or anything like that. But I just try to I just try to to, to come from a place um, that's just deeper than you know than what is readily apparent. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of like opening up the subconscious a little bit to exactly. kind of like things to drift in. Yes. So it, is it? It's I mean, because like you know, part of what I do, I try to I try to spend at least thirty minutes every morning meditating. Awesome. But sounds like this is more of like this is like because in you know meditation, in my experience and the way that sort of I practiced it, and there's like you know kind of I don't know a whole lot about 
about all that. Like there's so many different, you know, like yeah, there's so many yeah. different types of like yoga. There's so many different types of like meditation and stuff, you know, and like there's there's a lot that I don't know, but like really all I do is like I use um binaural beats. You I know? use that too. Okay. Yeah. So um yeah, that's I love that. And I'll do that and I'll just um and I'll just kind of like try to like really focus a lot and, and focus my my mind intensely on just like breathing. And just and just like really just that's it. Like mm-hmm. you know, and then also just allow myself to go like whatever happens is totally cool. Like, like there's no agenda. I'm not, no there's agenda. not a right or wrong way to do it. I'm just going to be here. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll, I'll drift into the, I'll drift out and I'll drift in like throughout like this time that I'm doing it, you know, but that's really, you know, and uh, sometimes I'm able to kind of reach sort of a different, I guess it would be a different brainwave state. I, I, would I guess so. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, sometimes I don't feel like I am, but, um, but that's really all that like, that's all that I do. And it's not really necessarily an active thing. Like I'm not, mm. I'm just sitting there with my eyes closed. I'm not like, I'm not like creating something or like, you okay. know, so here's another way of looking at it. And I was just thinking about it this way. Um, it's like getting lost in the song. Okay. Getting lost in it to where that's all, that's really all that's in front of me, so to speak. Okay. Um, in my mind's eye or whatever. I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of tough to put into words, mm-hmm. but, um, you can, you can write from the head or you can write from the heart. Yeah. And I think maybe that's really more what, okay. what is, what's happening. Writing from the heart, um, instead of thinking about it, just okay. feel, feel it, let it f- like feel it in your heart first yeah. and then come up. All, another thing I like to think about is, um, the music can, is a way of to, ex- is a way to express nonverbal emotions and the words represent ideas and things like they represent things mm-hmm. um, and you kind of weave those two together the the nonverbal expression and then the ideas and that's kind of this tapestry yeah um, and uh, I forgot where I was going with it but just just from the like heart writing from the heart so yeah. um, so how do you um, kind of like get into that space and that state is there like a it, it's it's just like it's just like when you run. It's like when you ride a bike and okay. you get into that state. It's that's a very that's meditation in a lot of ways. Okay, okay, yeah. Just getting out of your head, you yeah. know, not being so worried about. Oh my God, did she text me back or did I? Is that the right text that I yeah. sent her? Is she gonna think I'm stupid because yeah. I didn't? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Just uh, so you're just kind of like setting, you're focusing your thoughts, like like kind of sitting down. I'm gonna be with this song, and it's all about like just kind of relaxing to let yourself like feel from the heart and yeah. not and like all those other things like those aren't a part of this right now. I'll get back to that part of life after my songwriting time is it's over. But I'm kind gonna... of compartmentalizing in okay. a lot of ways. Just just yeah, totally getting into the song, getting into the emotions, feeling it with your whole body, um, and uh, and just not being afraid of what's going to come out. I, so much stuff that I comes out of my mouth or that I play, I, I throw away. Hmm. Um, but you have to, you have to get that out of the way yeah. to get to the good stuff. Right. So do you just kind of, is it sort of a stream of consciousness? Yeah. Okay. That's another good way to think of it. Is it yeah. very stream of consciousness? Okay. So you just like when you are, yeah, it's hard to say that, isn't it? Stream of consciousness. Yeah. Um, when you're writing, do you, is it like, do you have a, you just sort of don't allow yourself to qualify things. It's like, let's just move forward. Let's just like create. And there's a creation process and you're not worried about like judging it but or anything. And that, that comes later or, or um, 
It depends. Um, I think I kind of oscillate between the two states of mind pretty frequently. Um, also, as I write words or music, um, because fundamentally I'm trying to express an emotion, some kind of quality of the human experience in some way, some artifact of what it means to be human, um, um, because I'm trying to express emotion. I mean, what am I trying to say? Um, like you, like I was asking you about, um, you know, not not judging the stuff that you come up with immediately. Right. You know, you were saying like oscillating oh, I know between what I was the say. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a feeling. Yeah. Um, I write a line and I think, oh wow, this is it, or you know, it's not good enough, or some little um, musical phrase um, isn't quite as interesting as I want it to be, or doesn't feel right with me. So mm-hmm. really, it's all about feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't ever try to think, oh, well, you know, like what's going to sell more mm-hmm. or, you know, are people going to be able to, oh, I mean, I, I, sometimes I wonder about if people will understand lines, but I usually put them in there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's not so much like a critical analysis where I'm deciding whether something should stay. It's uh, a pretty quick, does it feel right? Mm-hmm. And then I move on. Um, I live with songs a lot. And so when I'm writing, I tend to get obsessed. I go to sleep thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it, think about it all day. And I will write a verse t- uh, over and over and over. And looking back on those notes is a lot of fun for me okay. because I can see how like one word at a time, it slowly changed from this original idea over time and you know, a few days. And then finally there it is in front of me. And I know everybody writes differently, but in a lot of ways, I liken it to a sculpture or mm. discovering some artifact in the archaeological dig, like brushing yeah. away the dirt a little bit by heel here and there. And eventually, this image appears out of the stone or this artifact out of the dirt um, and just taking a little off here and a little off there. Um, and then I'm okay with it. Yeah. Cool. That kind of makes me think about – I may be attributing this to the wrong person, but I think that I, I remember like – people reading about where Michelangelo was saying like with his statue of David, well, it was always there. I just had to like chip away this un- to uncover it. I had, it was already in there. I just yeah, had to like, like take away to uncover the, the, the yeah, art. I yeah. feel that way about these songs. A lot of times, yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird and esoteric maybe, but these songs already exist mm-hmm. and I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. You're just sort them. of discovering them. I've heard other, there is a sense like, you know, um, I, I've read some other other interviews or people like talking about that. Like, well, you know, I don't really these songs are already out there and I just am discovering them. Mm-hmm. They're just coming to they're like, you know, I'm not really writing them. I'm just discovering them, you know, and there's some people that have that philosophy, like everything is already created. It's just people how they just different people discover things or whatever. You know? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what I think is happening. Yeah. I don't think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, right. I have some pretty weird views on what I think is happening. Yeah. But it's what it, that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's yeah. how I operate. And yeah. I try not to get too complicated about what's actually happening and try to just let it happen. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. That's really cool. I, um, yeah, I like that philosophy. Um, yeah, I really, I, uh, identify with that. Um, you know, I do, and and it's it is it's something that I'd like to dig into more because I was really intrigued. Like I said, like when Ernest was talking about it, I was really intrigued. And it's not, I'm not, I'm I'm a very cerebral guy, which is yeah. why like you know meditation is so good for me, um, 
to help me with that. But I, I think a lot. Like I'm a very cerebral mm-hmm. guy, caught in my thoughts a lot. You know, analyzing, yeah, back and forth, yeah. pros and cons, weighing different options. Oh yeah, 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 totally. So like, just my whole thing about like, you know, and I don't, I'm not a very pro- prolific writer. I write some. I'm not very prolific, and that's something that I, I'm working towards, like doing more of. Um, but part of the reason for that is because like I get caught caught up like like immediately qualifying things like you know even like when I'm you know I'll be writing just like content to put out online or something mm, yeah you know and um and and only recently have I been able to start to get myself to this place where um I'll just I'll just write I'll just write 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 this is what I want to write about so just write about that and don't worry about like how good it is or what the exact word is that you're saying right yeah. now or whatever that's editing that's yeah that's totally later. yeah and even like to the point now a lot of times I'll just like I'll be writing and I'll just say you know say something about you know putting a microphone like like this and then I'll just keep writing and moving on so that like later I can come back and go what is it that I'm exactly trying to explain about mm-hmm. that microphone you know and like but used to yeah it would it would take me forever to write like just anything because I would I would write a sentence yeah. and then and then and then go back and like wait is that the right sentence mm-hmm. you know what I mean second guessing yeah. and- so I like that just like just go, go, go and just like forward motion and just like yeah yeah that's what it's like it's it's all about moving forward um I definitely get hung up on things though, but yeah. yeah. Um, so that, uh, that song, mm-hmm. we, we were talking about that and that's kind of, you had this conversation with somebody and it was an interesting conversation and then it just kind of, you sat down and it just kind of like all this elements just yeah. kind of like, yeah, we had that, it was a conversation about spirituality and purpose and morals and ethics and you know, what does it mean to be human and what can we do as humans really deep stuff and mm-hmm. um and she was coming at it um from a christian perspective and um and then the whole paris thing and like i said i was really really disturbed really moved by it in a way i did not expect and so i was dealing with those emotions mm-hmm. this couple of days just like man like i'm really upset um and then thinking about america's role in mm-hmm. all of those things going on um so, you know, in, in that song, for instance, I referenced the city on a hill. Are you familiar with that idea? It's an old, like, American Christian thing where it's like, we're the city on the hill leading by example. Okay. And it's been co-opted. And, okay. You know, I just see that in the, in the, in the way that the political system kind of manipulates people through religion. Mm. Um, so there were some very overt statements in that mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it's just, you know, we're just here and... Um, you know, it's okay. Like it's okay to suffer. It's okay to be, you know, in pain. Like mm-hmm. we all feel those emotions. Um, we all, we all feel anger and hatred at times, mm-hmm. but, and that's part of who we are, you know, mm-hmm. and, but there's this other part that we can listen to. There's an, um, I've heard it spoken a few different ways attributed as a, like a native American parable where it's like there are two wolves inside you and the wolf that you feed, the one that you, you know, give nourishment to wins and there's mm. good and evil in everybody. Yeah. And I think that's fundamentally what it's like to be human. Um, and a lot of the tension. Yeah. So that's what that song's about. The song's about being good and evil and being human and how, you know, we can't be, we can't pretend like we're any better than anybody else. Stuff like that. Yeah. So I just kind of, that it was a way of me processing those emotions. Right on. Well, that's cool. Um, I'm getting, I try to turn these notifications off so I don't get distracted. I'm getting notifications. Um, so, um, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's interesting. What would you, 
say is the essence of like the overarching essence of what your music mm. is my music um it's a bunch of different things fundamentally it's it's me trying to deal with this world and what it's like to be human and my internal demons and things like that um i i want to say something with my music mhm even if i'm writing a love song I want to say something deeper than, oh my gosh, I love you. Right. Um, Especially in the past few years as I've gotten a little older. For a long time, I wrote about relationships and things like that. Pretty standard stuff like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. And then I got a little bored of that um, and and started looking outside for inspiration um, and writing stories about people. Um, I like... Um, I like the ancient poems. So I, I read the Odyssey one summer and ended up writing a song about Odysseus. Cool. Um, this The other song we're going to hear a little bit later in the show is about Ernest Shackleton and his expedition to Antarctica right before okay. World War One. It's just really, it's the most incredible story you'll ever hear. Cool. And I encourage everybody listening to go, I think there's a three-part documentary you should still be able to find on YouTube called The Voyage of Endurance, which was the name of his ship. Voyage? The Voyage of Endurance. Okay. Cool. I'm going to link that up in the show notes Man, too. That's cool. It's some heavy duty stuff, but such an inspiring story. I mean, that's an entire podcast. Hopefully. I, I just so. hopefully, hopefully I didn't make a promise that I can't keep. Hopefully it's still out there, but we'll try, I'll look for the links and yeah. see if I can link it up. Yeah. So I like to, I like to write stories about human endurance and perseverance, that's cool. whether it's on an internal level um, with life or on an external level, physically overcoming something and getting on the other side. Um, and uh, I can get really esoteric too, um, like get as get as esoteric as you want. <laughs> yeah, um, like subliminal messages. Um, I'm I'm really drawn to guys like Carl Jung, who talks about the shadow um, and the collective consciousness. And, and, and was that you mentioned before we when we yeah. first walked in? So yeah, yeah, talk about that because I'm not I'm not really so I'm not familiar. This, he's this a heavy cat man. Cool. He was Sigmund Freud's protege, but then he. Like, literally studied under Sigmund. They were buddies, close friends. Um, and then he broke with Sigmund because of his um, dogmatic, uh, like, the dogmatic way he held on to his beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so this dude, Carl Jung, um, talked about a collective consciousness, or a collective unconsciousness, rather. Okay. Um, in a way that we're all connected in this really kind of weird spiritual way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people can poo-poo that, but there is, I mean, it seems like there's actually some legitimate scientific research showing mm-hmm. that, you know, there is something going on. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know what it is, but there's definitely something going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and so he talked about that, but then he also talked about, he took kind of some of Freud stuff a little further. Freud talked about the ego and the id and the you know, super ego and things like that. But um, if the ego is what we want to present to the world, the shadow is the necessary dark side. They can't exist. You can't exist without both of them. Okay. You, it um, ha- it's necessary. It has to, it has to be there. It, it's just right. It's like two sides of a coin. That's an interesting concept, you know, I, I not that not to like interrupt your no, train no, no, of please. thought, but like, that's an interesting concept to me. Cause I do go back to that. Um, and that's, it's such a, it, it's such a thing that's so in like deep in our psyche as human beings, like that we you can see it everywhere and yeah. like like all almost like all of nature of course like 
every, pretty much every epic story, whether it be a, a, a movie that came out last year, whether it be like the Odyssey or something, mm-hmm. is is that you know good and evil thing. Religion is based has a lot of that. You know what I mean? And yo, it and, myths, man. It's that whole thing. Yeah, and so it's a really interesting thing. I think, and you you know always there's obviously like you know the yin yang symbol that's that's you know. And right. I'm always kind of thinking about that and just like this idea of, of like, it's hard for me, but at the same time, at a certain point, I don't know. It's like, that's hard for me to explain. Like I, I can deconstruct, like I said, I, I get lost in my thoughts. I, I think a lot, but I can deconstruct I that idea down into my brain. So to the point that like, I get stuck at a, at the point where like, it's almost like you, it, it's so like such a basic idea. You just have to have good to have evil. You mm-hmm, have to have evil mm-hmm. to have good, rather. I should probably say it that way. You have to have evil to have good. And then I'm just like, but that doesn't kind of make, like, I kind of don't, I can't get, I can't like wrap my, there's there's a there's a part of it where I can't completely comprehend Yeah. That. No, you know it, what I mean? It, that's, I feel like the things like that are all over, you know, what it means to be human. These yeah. things that are neither and both at the same time yeah. or like they're it, they seem like they're paradoxes but they yeah. exist at the same time and you you see eastern philosophies talk about stuff like that a lot too um dao and yeah you know yeah and things like that i'm not a schooled extensively in that so i don't know but I've, I've been exposed to it enough to to understand basically what it is yeah um and that's and that's and that's how i see things yeah um what, oh man Darn it. My, my train of thoughts just like all <laughs> over the place today. All these ideas that it's hard for me to stay focused. Um, oh, another guy I was going to mention is Joseph Campbell. Okay. Who kind of follows in the line of Carl Jung. Um, Campbell was an anthropologist and he wrote a really amazing book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And his whole deal is that if you look across cultures and if you look to myths, you see this story, the same story. Um, and you can think of it as the journey of an individual person or the evolution of a society, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it goes everywhere. everywhere. Every, every culture has a hero. Um, and, you know, if you want to look at I don't know, the Greek with Odysseus, um, journeying, going into the underworld, coming back, duty. But in a lot of ways, they kind of, these stories that we tell each other, they're ways that we kind of codify and discuss over generations, what it means to be human, mm-hmm. what it means to be a good human. Um, and I, I really enjoy studying myths in that way. And I, I grew up, my grandparents are both English professors, and I grew up learning about these ideas since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. At one point, my grandmother um, sat us down when we were little, and we watched Fight Club and then talked about how that's connected to fairy tales. Really? Yeah. And Interesting. It's, it's, it's heavy-duty stuff, man. The huh. male and the female, the masculine and feminine in all of us, and um, and how that grows. Um, there are another series of books. This dude, Andrew Johnson, I think. They're called He, She, We, um, following in that Jungian idea, and um, analyzing myths, the grail myth of that we find in England, mm-hmm. um, in understanding the evolution and the growth of the masculine and the feminine in each of us. And so I see a lot of power in these stories. I feel mm-hmm. like in a lot of ways, humans are defined by stories, and that's mm-hmm. how we exist. And um, and I so I see my songs connecting. I see my songs um, in line with Homer um, and Virgil, um, and you know all these people that have sung about pain and suffering and joy and, and triumph throughout the centuries. Um, and uh, 
you know, I mean, it's only, maybe it's only in my head, but I feel honored to be part of it. That's cool. I mean, but no, that's like what you're after. That's your vision for your music and your subject matter and the essence and, and like sort of your North Star of what you're, what you're after. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it is not, not to say that like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you got to have an idea of like, okay, what inspires me to the point where I, I want to like, I want to steer my ship that way and kind of like steep that into my music mm. and like that's yeah. what yeah and know. I kind of touched on this earlier when I talked about getting bored of writing with myself because after a while that was boring and I had to think about it you know what do I want to write about what do I have to say and I think that's really important for some for, for any artist whether you're yeah. a painter or a school like what are you trying to communicate mm-hmm. um, and I just kind of was going through a lot of personal internal growth and that was coming out and then I kind of focused on it um, and have been kind of working towards that ever since. Yeah. That's cool. So, so where would you say, how long, so how long you've been, how long have you been writing and creating music? Um, I mean, like, well, even since before I was born, they say I was keeping time. Really? Or not born, born talking before I could talk. I was keeping time. Okay. Um, and then as a young child, I took piano lessons and then quit that to play drums in a rock and roll band. Okay. And then picked up the guitar. Cause I, heard Radiohead's album Car OK Computer okay, and yeah. Karma Police and so I I learned the guitar when I was in high school just to be able to play Karma Police okay that 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 album inspired you to play the guitar yeah okay cool and, that's and, a, I mean that's a killer record I love that record but um, my entire life music for me is always just kind of I've always just played anytime I pick mm-hmm. an instrument up I'm just noodling around with the melody yeah. or things like that I don't really have to think about it yeah so so this place where you are now and what you what you are working to capture with your music um you know and the way that you craft music and your and 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 that you write today um what did it what's kind of the the transition from like um i mean is that something that you were always you kind of were like always after or was no. it something that you kind of like over time you've gradual very gradual yeah Yeah. so because music was so natural to me I never really took it seriously I studied English in college uh, which is cool I studied poetry and was really into that and I knew I was going to apply that to songs and things like that and I thought about doing music trying to do music professionally Um, but I never really took it serious oh I'm going to go to law school or whatever I don't know yeah and then as cliche as this sounds, I, I, I took some time off and went backpacking through Europe for three that's, months. That's awesome. It was, I'm, I never did that. And I, I, that's that's probably my biggest. I don't have very many regrets. I have like hardly any. But I do that I didn't like take some time to do that. I was, um, I'm really fortunate, really yeah. lucky to have been in a position where that was a po- an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went over there and, and it just opened my eyes to an entirely new way of living. And in a lot of ways just took me outside my comfort zone Mm -hmm. um and then i came back and i decided i'd do music and then when i finished college i came to nashville and realized man i i suck i'm (laughs) not very good at any of this a lot of potential um and so then i just started um practicing and and writing and, and trying to get better um and then over time um over the years in college, I was, I was playing a bunch of guitar, kind of writing songs, but it was all never, I never really took it seriously. I never was mm-hmm. trying to go anywhere with it. So it was, they were very unfocused. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and as a drummer, I feel like my brain was programmed for rhythm, mm-hmm. imprinted for rhythm, and I kind of had to teach myself melody in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And there was just a point where I realized that I I wasn't a great singer. I wasn't my my songs had too many words. They weren't very interesting. And um, I I had to change that. Mm. And I didn't really have a voice at that point. But over time, focusing on it, trying to get better, practicing, I gradually began to develop a voice and an understanding of songwriting. Uh, I went back to the greats um, and really tried to understand what made a song good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just tried to copy that in a lot of ways. So, um, what, what did it kind of, what were, what's like kind of the main things that poke out to you that you feel like it took for you to kind of, you know, to to grow that way and to craft and sort of like, as you, as you, as you like have this realization, like, well, I suck, you know, and then this is, you have this realization is like this is where I'm a- am and I want to be over this mm-hmm. other place. Right. And so, you know, what did, what did how did you like what were how did you get there? You know, oh. you, like doing the reps and obviously and like yeah. doing it a lot. Doing a lot. But, um I always there's this feeling and it's kind of annoying cuz I wish I could just be a lawyer some in some ways, but there's this feeling that I had to. Yeah. I felt like it was what I needed to do yeah. and I couldn't handle doing anything else. Mhm. And that's really what drove me. It's like looking up this huge mountain you have to climb, and there's somebody with a gun saying, "Climb, yeah, I'm shoot you." Okay, so you have the you I'm like f- I'm gonna shoot your knee. I'm gonna shoot your knees out, yeah. and you're gonna have to crawl for the rest of your life. So you feel that it's like just imperative that that that, that you pursue this, like yeah, life purpose. Yeah, super, just like very identify with that. I, yeah. yeah, I will say one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. This great songwriter named Mark Selby. Um, got a couple of mutual friends, interacted with him a couple times when I first came to town, ran into him at Broadway Brew House. Okay. Um, and I was like, hey, Mark, a lot of people are telling me I need to go to law school. What do you think? He's like, you know, Lane, think of your life as your ultimate work of art. And mm. if you have to go to law school to make it as good as you want it to be, do it. But, you know, if it's music, do music. But don't feel bad about what it is. Don't feel mm. like you're failing in any way if you look at your life as your ultimate work of art. And that really stuck with me. I love that. Yeah. That's cool. What is that What, what for my analyzer brain mm-hmm. to satisfy that? Let's mm. dissect that a little bit. Let's like, do it. Yeah, kind of like, that what does that like mean for you? Like, how does that kind of hit you? That, um, it really, it, it encompasses everything I do in a lot of ways. And it really made me wonder what art was. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got to the point where I thought, I feel like art is any way that we as humans interact with the world around us to make that world better. Whether it's prettier, whether it's happier, whether it's making your bed, doing the dishes, sweeping the floor. Those are ways that we're interacting with the world mm. around us to make it easier to live. At mm-hmm. least I find I'm happier when my floor is swept. I'm not a clean freak or anything. Um, or painting a great work or writing a song or making a sculpture. These are all ways that we're interacting with the world um, to make it better. Mm-hmm. To, to make, um, with the ultimate goal for me at least, of 
of, of fulfillment, like mm. joy. Um, I don't want life to be easy. Life's not meant to be easy, mm-hmm. but I want there to be a purpose and and a and and a um, contentment at least in some yeah. way deep down. Um, so I uh, yeah, man. You know, I try, I try to smile. I try to be positive. Yeah. Um, I try to I try to bring that into my music um, and into my everyday life. Um, and and try to make decisions, um, with with that in mind. You know? Yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, am I gonna keep doing music? Am I gonna do another job for a while? Um. Am I gonna go out west? Um. Am I gonna help this old lady? You know, these are all. They can all be part of it. Yeah. And 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 you you weigh it against like what's the what's the the work of art? What's the masterpiece that 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 is the work of art of my life? And weigh that into it. And yeah. does this is does you know does going out west is that part of it? You know, and right, it helps right, you just yeah. to understand, like, kind of, I guess, to kind of like make those decisions. And that's interesting because it kind of almost, in a way, sort of, in my mind, kind of brings it around, um, kind of back to a back to where we were talking about kind of just like moving to your heart and kind of yeah. just getting into your heart and like I feel like there's a lot of power from yeah, working there yeah. from the heart. Yeah. Do you feel like because you know um there's also I think a function in being cerebral as well and thinking like thinking being so when, in your when head. You, when you say cerebral do you mean like analytical? Yeah, I okay. just mean like you know like you know feel be, like be, like feeling from your heart or 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 you know to me cerebral kind of meaning like thinking your right. way through it and, and being I think intellectual about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very cerebral yeah. at the same time too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um I think that uh there's I think that there is What's the word I'm looking for? Usefulness. I, I was trying to look for another word, but there's a usefulness to that. You know, oh, just yeah, like totally. I've had discussions with people before about like um, not even not only usefulness, but it's it's essential. Yeah, yeah, essential, totally. Um, but uh, you know, even like with like w- discussions about the ego and like there's a there's the there's a there's a um, sort of mantra that flies around a lot of sort of the psychedelic communities mm-hmm. of like ego death. And, no way. Uh, can't kill the ego. Yeah. Cause you are the ego. Right. You have to yeah. purify the ego, yeah. but you yeah. can't kill it. Right. Yeah. 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 I like that. I mean, I was, I was kind of, I championed that for a while. I was like, yeah, ego death. And then it, because, but like, I think what people are really trying to say with like ego death, is not like they're trying to, what they're trying to say is like, don't be egotistical or right. don't be... I totally feel where they're coming from. Yeah. But I think that's actually a detrimental way to live, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about that very phrase quite a bit. Um, and I think ultimately we're going to die. We're all going to die. I find great solace and peace in that mm-hmm. personally. I know it freaks a lot of people out and it freaks me out too. But I'm one of those weirdos that's like having a bad day. I'm like, don't worry, man. You're going to... Eventually you'll be dead. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. I'm like, you know, you're right, Lane. Thanks, man. <laughs> Chin up. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. You're gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. then I'm able to move through my day. But I think when you try to, when people are trying to kill the ego, they're trying to do something that is a impossible and it's impossible. So you're never gonna achieve it. So you're gonna be stuck trying to do this thing you can't do. But I also think that um, egos are beautiful. Egos mm-hmm. are great. We came here. For to, to have an ego, yeah, and that's what it's. Like. If we didn't have an ego, we wouldn't be able to feel these emotions, mm-hmm. and that's what being human is all about, right? So I don't want to kill my ego, yeah. I just want to like um, control it, 
in a, in a healthy way, like yeah. purify it. And, you know, it's like a lens, you know, light passes through the lens and you don't want to get rid of the lens or the colors or the beautiful spectrum that yeah. the prism goes away. But if it's dirty, then that light can't shine through. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome, dude. This has been this. What what a great what a great discussion. That's what I think about all day. This is uh, me too. I love it. That's why I like I you know I'm that's why pretty much I bring up stuff like this on the podcast, and I love it when I have uh, somebody like you on that I can really talk about. Yeah, I can I really vibe with because, um, yeah, your your way of kind of expressing it is very interesting, and 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 I feel like it really kind of like uh, opens me up in a way. Oh, cool. Kind of like kind of have, have some epiphanies, you know? So it's cool. Nice. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. You're, and, and it's just like a lot of, I, I'm really inspired by the way that you, like what you described about how you, um, where you come from with your music and music creation and like where you, you know, you referenced a lot of just people and writers and stories and things like that. That's yeah. like, that, that a lot of people, um, you know, that kind of, a lot of people don't think about anymore. Like some of that, some of those older stories and stuff uh-huh. that, that a lot of people don't talk about that stuff been, as much anymore. Yeah. They get brushed you know? away. Yeah. I got really lucky. Like I said, my grandparents, um, I grew up hearing stories of Gilgamesh, one of the great creation stories and or hero stories. Um, some pre-Christian one. Um, and, and then it was just ingrained. My grandparents would give me these books um, they would talk, we would talk about it at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it was just there from the beginning and I'm really, really thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of going back to the creation thing, like as a, as a musician, I feel like I'll, I'll just say this. I feel like it's also really important to fill the well up. Um, Shakespeare is my favorite poet. I, you know, I'll go read Shakespeare. I'll read these books, um, about spirituality, uh, and philosophy, novels um try to get into novels i mm-hmm. love joseph conrad he's one of my favorites been reading some of him lately um great movies interesting people you know get inspired i feel yeah. like that's a big part that, that's yeah. what i was trying to say earlier i feel like you, you have to get inspired you yeah. can't just sit around right get out there go for a hike you know see the beauty of the world um make yourself vulnerable mm-hmm. because if you don't make yourself vulnerable you're, you're gonna miss out on so much because you didn't let you didn't put yourself in a position to take advantage of anything. What's like, what's a way, what's a way that something that comes to mind when you think of like getting vulnerable, getting that's, vulnerable, that's, that's some, honesty. Okay. With yourself and with people around, not being afraid to talk about what you're feeling, even though you know, it's going to be hard. Okay. So just getting brutally honest about like who you are, like sitting in other words, like, how would you do that? Do you sit around, you, they'd sit around and you would like contemplate yourself, spend some time contemplating yourself and not trying to avoid that. Yeah. That time. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, that can kind of get self-pitying if you do it too much. Yeah. But it, sure. I think it's still important. Sure. Um, you and I were talking about this the other day. You know, if there's something you want to do, you know, just do it. Um, and if you're having some trouble, think about why, you know, why am I not achieving the goals I want to achieve? Um, um, vulnerability in a relationship um, letting letting yourself get to the point where you could get hurt yeah because um, that's such a deep place and if we shy away from it I feel like we're just not going to be able to f- feel those emotions that we would gain access to otherwise um, I think being not being afraid um, or maybe that's not the right way to say it but like about getting hurt, you know, yeah. emotionally or failing at a goal. 
um, just doing it and not worrying about what might happen. Don't worry mm-hmm. about what might happen. There's no reason that hasn't happened. There's mm-hmm. you can't, there's no reason yeah. to worry about it. I yeah. worry too much, and this is the easiest thing that I tell myself. Yeah, but um, I think fundamentally that's what vulnerability is to me. Is yeah, is uh, taking the purifying the ego. You know, like mm-hmm. letting letting yourself shine through and um and telling people how much you love them. So for the person who like you know, uh, you're saying like about being in a relationship, really opening up, being vulnerable, allowing yourself, like, you know, you kind of like, in a way, show your soft white underbelly. And it's like, I'm completely like, you can do whatever you want with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can jam a knife into me or, you know, you can, you can be here with me. And, and to the person who has done that, right. And gotten hurt. It's tough. What is, what is on the other side of like, when you, to move forward and say, well, I'm going to commit to this vulnerability and to going there anyway, even though that it's not worked out in the past for me to do it. Like, well, I shouldn't say that. Even though in the past somebody has taken advantage of me. Is there love after love? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Would you believe? There you go. Thanks, Cher. <laughs> or, um, um, yeah. Oh, man, that's a tough place to be. It's tough. I've been there, man. Yeah. I oh. think so many people have, and that's, that's what I was wondering. Like, like to choose in anyway, what's on, what is on the other side of that vulnerability? To step through that and, like, you know, man, I got taken advantage of once. Yeah. You know, and to, and to just, like, do it in, in, anyway. Like, what, what, what lies on the other side of that for people? What's, what's the potential upside? The potential upside... Um, I, I look towards Eastern philosophy when it comes to things like that, um, in the Buddhist way of thinking, they talk about suffering and one of the questions they ask is why? And one of the answers they give is desire and Mm. attachment. And they talk about being in this world, but not being of it. Mm -hmm. And I connect with that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, um, so the times that I've been really hurt in a relationship, trying to figure out why, you know, what was it about me that allowed myself to get hurt? Um, and I think a lot of it is, um, not knowing ourselves and having these feelings, these desires, these, we want to be complete. We want to have companionship and be loved. Um, and then we get hurt. Um, I think, it's important to remember that um, in a lot of ways, life is about pain, it, but it's about how we respond to it um, and, and try to stay positive um, and be honest with yourself. And then on the other side is this incredible world of limitless possibility and you just get up each day and you, it's like climbing a mountain, you know, in fog and it's really hard. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. My thighs are killing me. I can barely breathe. I can't even see where I'm going. I'm just surrounded by clouds. And then sooner or later, the clouds, the fog is blown away and you look back and you realize how far you've come and you see this beautiful view. Yeah. And that's kind of what keeps me going. That's awesome. Is I know that eventually there's going to be this beautiful view. But I mean, life's up and down, you know, you can't expect it to to get to get where you're going and like okay here i am i'm done mm-hmm. um but uh you know it depends you know sometimes people are are more delicate than others 
and they, yeah. get, they get burned and then they just don't know how to take it. But yeah. I would encourage anybody listening to this, if they're thinking about something, you know, if they're going through a hard time, just know that they're not the only one. I mean, that's yeah. what pretty much everybody goes yeah. through. Yeah. And it's going to be okay. That's awesome, man. Really cool thoughts. And um, yeah, I've gotten so like really enthralled with, with this discussion that um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of, we're, we're, we're like a little bit past the halfway point of the show and uh, which is all cool. We'll just like sort of, we can cut the second half of the show just a little bit short, but whatever, um, whatever. It's all good, man. There's no, there's no real rules on this show, but uh, I'm going to take a minute to do a couple of promotional items and then we will, um, hear you play another song. Oh yeah. Sounds and great. then, uh, yeah. And then we'll, we'll come back and talk some more. So, um, awesome. Thank you guys for listening. This is uh man, I'm having an awesome time on this, on this episode. What a killer, what a killer show and, um, a killer discussion, uh, having a lot of fun. Um, as I mentioned, I am your host, John Stinson, and I, am a producer and recording engineer and a mix engineer out of Nashville and uh, have a lot of irons in the fire. And um, one of those things right now, in addition to this podcast and and all the production work that I do, uh, I also do a lot of blogging on uh, my website. And um, one of the things that I've put together uh, recently is a resource for recording drums, simple tips for recording drums. So, you know, um, there's a lot of discussions that I like to get involved in and, and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about in this show and, and like things like on this particular episode, but then there's also like to, um, you know, there's a creativity side and the emotional side of making music, but then there's also the recording side of making music and, and all that kind of stuff. So, that's where this resource comes into play. Recording drums 101. I noticed that a lot of people can get bogged down with recording drums and you may be on a budget and you want to be able to uh, record some stuff at your house to get some ideas down uh, or you're on an extreme budget, just like wanting to make a record. Um, whatever the case may be, you know, you're trying to record some drums and you're just getting bogged down with the process and derailed from the creative process. Or, you know, there's even like some engineers that I've worked with that have picked up some bad habits and then you got to kind of like unwind that stuff. So I noticed all this stuff and I decided I wanted to put together a simple resource for recording drums so that you wouldn't have to think about all that. You can just plug and play and you can just keep in the creative zone. You can just make a great record. And that's what this is about. So, um, check it out on my website at johnstinson.com. Just scroll down to the front page a little bit. You can click the giant recording drums one-on-one graphic and you'll see a whole bunch of stuff about just simple tips for recording great sounding drums. This is, comes from my more than 10 years of experience in the studio, making records and working with, uh, some really legendary record makers that taught me a lot of stuff and, and, and I watched how they did it. And, uh, and, um, you know, or, or just, you know, stuff passed down from, from great people through other great record makers that, and just, so I learned a lot of this stuff. It sounds great, really simple stuff, uh, that sounds amazing. Cause it's the stuff that people like Brendan O'Brien or Glenn Johns thought up. And, and, and if you don't know who those guys are, Google them. They made some of the best rock records of all time. So, um, check it out on my website, recording drums one-on-one while you're there, make sure you put your name and email address into either one of the forms that I have on that page, and uh, I'll send you a ton more 
stuff on uh, simple tips for just recording great stuff and and how to have uh, creative flow. And I'll share episodes of this podcast where people like Lane come on and we have these great discussions on how to make uh, killer records and what it takes to make a record and how to where to go emotionally and like, you know, just great tips on all kinds of stuff, creative flow, great writing, recording and all that stuff. So check it out. JohnSinson.com. Cool. That's uh, that's it for for the promotional items. Let's uh, listen to Lane play another song, and uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll talk with you some more. Yeah. 
Awesome, man. Um, so tell us about that song. So, um, yeah, another, I mean, I think it's a cool story, but I wrote the song, so I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, I, it was right around when I was getting really bored about, of writing songs about myself. And for some reason, I wanted to write a song about, well, I, I'm sorry, I know what a reason. I read this book called The Climb by Anatoly Bukreev who was the lead climber for one of the outfits that lost a bunch of people on Everest in that big thing that John Krakauer wrote about called Into Thin Air. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember it, but it was this really tragic story of a bunch of people dying on Everest, and I just read his account of it. Okay. And and it was so inspiring. And when did this happen? Is this like an older... 12, 15 years ago, maybe? Okay, okay. I don't know. Um, And I, I just wanted to write a story, a song about some tale of human endurance, just the, you know, ultimate not going to die story. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted it to be snowy. Um, And I talked to a friend of mine, one of my mom's friends, and I said, Carol, and I told her, and I said, because I knew she was into Antarctic and Arctic explorers, like in that whole history. She was deep in it. Okay. And I think my mom recommended me ask her. And I said, I asked her for one name. And she kind of thought for a second and looked at me and said, Ernest Shackleton. And so I went and I researched him, and it is the most insane story ever. Really? Ever. So these guys left England on a wooden boat called the Endurance, and they sailed to Antarctica. Wow. And the deal was they were going to walk across Antarctica. This guy just died trying to do what Ernest Shackleton was going to do, trying to complete Ernest Shackleton's That's, thing. That is crazy. It's just like in Antarctica, like how it gets like, how cold? It gets like ridiculous like ridiculous you, like am i wrong to say it's like a hundred below zero or something dude i don't know it's i don't know if that's i might be wrong about it's that crazy but, cold down there yeah anyway um so he gets down there and they get to the last human outpost this whaling station on um an island i can't remember the name of it and it's like south georgia island maybe and all these whalers are like guys it's really icy this year FYI, probably don't want to go. And they're like, well, we sail all this way. We can't turn back now. So they sail over to Antarctica, and they get stuck immediately and spend an entire winter in the ice just going to their stores, like playing soccer on the ice, trying to take – you're trying to do some scientific things like that, like other things, Um, just waiting it out. Huh. Um, And then – and then the summer came again, and the ice was breaking up, and it was just really treacherous. But even the summer isn't really like, no, isn't it? It's not. It's really summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and until uh, so the ship got crushed by the ice, okay. And they're dragging their um, lifeboats like inches a, at a time, like meters a day. Yeah, really treacherous. And it was really important that they get in the water at the right time because if they get in too soon, then they'll get crushed by the ice. If they put the wa- boats in the water too soon, as the, the ice is breaking up all around them at this point, you know. Huh. But if they put it in too late, they won't get in because they'll all sink in the water if they wait too late. But they get in the water and they're rowing and they row for like three weeks, dude. Or like, I can't remember if it's three weeks or seven days, but they're rowing and they get to this uninhabited island and then... um. I think they get another island. But anyway, so at one point, Ernest Shackleton and a few of the guys sail across 
the ocean there for three weeks. This is yeah, this is when they're sailing for three weeks, and mm-hmm. they left the other guys on the on this island. In, so, like, the, a, but they're sailing like in a lifeboat. They had rigged a mast on it. Okay, yeah. And this dude, and it was like through hurricane force gales, like yeah. the, the roughest ocean in the world. Yeah. And they're navigating by the stars and the sun to this one small island. And if they miss it a little bit, they're going to, if they're off a little bit, they're going to miss it forever. Yeah. Um, and they just sail for th- three weeks. And the other guys are back on the island eating penguin. And um, <laughs> they have this makeshift little igloo. And as in the song, when I'm talking about the frozen den, they're like waiting in this like, that's what that's about. Yeah. Um, and then they finally get there and then they have, but they're on the wrong side of the Island. And so they have to hike for three days over uncharted glaciers and mountains to get to the whaling outpost. And, um, I mean, to say that they're underprepared is an overstatement. Yeah. They don't have anything. They're so like their, their boots and their clothes and whatever. Um, and they spend three days hiking through these mountains and glaciers and Ernest wouldn't let them sleep. He, they would be like, okay, we're going to sleep. He's like, fine, I'll stay awake. And as soon as they closed their eyes, he would shake them and wake them up and told them that it was 20 minutes later because he knew that if they slept, they would die. They huh. wouldn't ever wake up. And so they finally get there. At one point, they have to go down this waterfall. But they're finally, they're finally if, in this place where they, if, they, if they're where they think they are, they'll be able to hear the morning whistle, the 7 a.m. morning whistle at the whaling outpost. And they're huddled around this watch. And back in the day, if you were going to sail, if you were going to navigate, you had to have a watch um, calibrated to Greenwich time in England hmm. on the prime meridian. And that's how you were able to determine, you know, by the sunset when the sun is setting um, or where the, when the sun is its highest, what time is it in England? And that's how they can determine where mm-hmm. they are. Um, and so they had this really accurate watch and they sat there and, the, and as soon as it hit seven, they could, they, they heard the whistle and they knew they had made it and they stumbled in and nobody recognized them. And it took them like three weeks, two or three weeks to actually get back to their men again. They kept getting turned back because of the ice. And finally, when they finally made it into the bay where they had left their guys, the first people who saw them were these dudes that were wading into the Antarctic Ocean, ripping shellfish off the bottom of the ocean with their bare hands because they were about to die. What? Everybody lived, dude. Everybody lived. Some dude lost his toes. They cut his toes off in the igloo waiting. But everybody lived pretty much mostly intact. Yeah. The only thing that happened was some guy lost his toes. Yeah. What? (laughs) And the whole time. How come nobody's made a movie out of this? Have people made a movie out of this and I I missed it or what? I don't know, dude. I don't know why. Because it's it's like the greatest story ever told. So I read read that and I was like, oh my God, this is it. And then I just wrote it, you know? Yeah. Dude, your your song, your, your the stories and stuff, and like where you come, where you how you create songs, and uh, your songs are epic. It's epic. That's I'm, killer. I, I go for big. I love it, man. <laughs> I also love uh, opera, and I love musical theater a little bit. I really like good musical theater. I love telling stories, and I love yeah. stories through music, and I love stories that are just told around a campfire. And like, what there's just one song about Odysseus that I wrote, and it's like this. It's from a very specific point in the in the story. And I imagined it when I was writing it being staged. And so I love bringing these um, big theatrical elements to the music Mm -hmm. um, just on a personal level. That's killer. That's awesome, man. Um, Cool. Why don't we shift gears for a second? Because the other day uh, we were hanging out and we got into like geeking out about gear and stuff. Oh, is it it the gear geek out time? Yeah, I think so. Because I was hoping. Because... um, you know, one of the things I like to 
you know, the, this whole show being the modern recordist. Mm-hmm. So there's the, so there's the, the the thing about like creativity as a, as a as a recording, like you know, uh, and writing and stuff, uh, whatever. Just like kind of that part of uh, being a music maker in the modern world, right? But then there's like the recording part of it all, you know, and and I think that you know I'm I was talking to you the other day about, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but just my experience in in record making, like you know, I my, the first handful of years that I got into the business, I was working at like a big studio for hire, you know, it's like right. like a studio on Music Row, you know, that had been around for decades. Um, kind of the old school way of doing things. Yeah, yeah, and then quickly, um, you know. My my career shifted more to sort of a hybrid thing, and then sort of a. Um, what do you mean hybrid? Where like sometimes you're at the studio, like for a day or two tracking, but then the oh, rest of the yeah. time you're just you, you know you're you're just at home, like in your living room or something. Right. Um. And then you know, and then it, and it which is kind of like sort of kind of how it is now, but a lot of the, a lot of time it's you know just most of the records I've been I've made have been some kind of like doing it at home kind of situation and and but it's like legit records like yeah. stuff you know what i mean it's not like you know just like a lot of times thinking about like home studio you think about like the weekend hobbyist but like this is like records that were commercially released on major labels and stuff so that it just was an interesting like and, and then i started i started um again i something i talk about on the podcast a lot i started you know tape op is one of my favorite oh, magazines yeah. you know and i and and i started noticing a theme Amongst a lot of the interviews really? that I was reading, where people were, you know, making records, just like, oh yeah, my studio, and then they would describe their studio. It would be like one of them was a really cool, inspiring story about a person who had a uh, like a station wagon and turned it into a recording studio. Station wagon, yeah, wow. And then, and then somebody, this guy, I think the guy from Wire, that band Wire, I think it was. Um, it's just like he has a little nook out in his garage, you know, where he makes records. Doesn't take much. You know? And so I just started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, that's so like that's kind of part of the inspiration for the show is like, you know, the modern recordist. And so, yeah, I just wanted to I love to kind of shine a light on Let's sort of it. like that element of things. So you know? far, this is these are like the two things I think about pretty much all the time. It's like esoteric philosophies on life yeah and recording that's awesome <laughs> that's killer man yeah that's why you and i are friends i know it's know? great man so let's dive in yeah so um so yeah you you know you you were uh you were talking about a lot of the um you know you've amassed some some cool gear and a little bit you yeah know, and uh how do you what is your process so there's all the, you know we've talked a lot about like your process for writing mm-hmm. and your inspiration and all that kind of stuff what's your philosophy and process for like for recording and actually like capturing this stuff cool. and and whether it be demoing it or whether it be like however you do it like what does it look yeah. like when you um, go to record when i um I, I use my phone a lot to record ideas mm-hmm. i love um being able to listen back um because i think different part of my i use a different part of my brain mm-hmm. um so it's impossible for me to listen to it the way i need to when i'm actually re- recording it mm-hmm. so that's just that's just you know screwing around um for me, it's all about the moment. Mm-hmm. It's all about capturing something magic, something special. Um, I love the process. I love getting great sounds. I love 
gear so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I feel like it's all a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people need to limit themselves by what they do or do not have when they're recording music. Oh, this is a funny story. When I was like 18, maybe, I went into the record store, the music store in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, near where I grew up. And the guy that was running it went to high school with my mom and his son and I were in a band in high school. So I knew this guy mm-hmm. and I respected him. And he's a great musician. And I bought a Tascam Mark II little tape four track. Mm-hmm. And when when I was paying him, he was like, Lane, this is going to change your life. I was like, <laughs> whatever, dude, old man. Yeah. But it did. Yeah. Um, And so for me, it's just about doing it. Mm-hmm. It's about getting the ideas down. Um, I love to create a workspace where it's like I got an amp and it's mic'd up. And I got a vocal mic ready to go. Because I like to go into a studio with a band and capture that. Mm-hmm. I like to give people the opportunity to perform, to get inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, a drummer laying it down, pl- the guy playing the piano, pl- you know, bassist. Um, and then I, um, I'll uh, I'll take those, you know, tracked in a set in a studio on a board. Um, and then I have I have two channels. I have uh, a pair of API five twelve Cs. I love to listen to my friends. I have some really talented engineers, engineer friends. And so I, at one point, um, I was talking to my buddy Buckley and Buckley was like, Hey man, me and Reed demoed all the op amps. You need to get the Scott Lieber red dot for those. It's like, okay, done. Okay. 120 bucks later, yeah. they're 60 bucks, bucks each. Um, uh, but then I did a bunch. So I, I don't know how I zeroed in on those, just talking to people and reading about them. And, and, and I think I might've demoed some, but you know you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But I love to talk to my friends about what they use. Yeah. And then I just zeroed in on the five twelves, um, and I love them, and I'm so glad I got them. Um, and then I wanted some compression, um, and I just read and read and talked and talked. And one day I read about the Fatso Junior, the Empirical Labs mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I was like, man, that sounds really great, but I want something a little more designed for recording. And then I read about the, uh, the Kush audio version where he tweaked it a little bit to make, make it his, his idea was to make it a little more usable for recording. And that was like, that was, a uh, uh, another, like a post, uh, manufacturing thing, right? Somebody right. else came mm-hmm. along and made those. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, modified them. Yeah. yeah empirical yeah. labs, they do the distressor, you know, that's one of the most common yeah. compressors ever. Um, and they make the Fatso. Um, and then this other dude who has a company called Kush Audio who designs gear. His gear is amazing. He, he modified it. Like he yeah. said, it's like the Shelby Cobra. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I love it because it is a, I think it has like four or five stages and it's designed to give um, really nice harmonic saturation mm-hmm. um, and kind of take the place of board or a tape machine. Um, and then I like to do vocals and guitars kind of at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, sometimes I'll sacrifice the best sound in the world um, just so that I can stay up till three in the morning or be up at three in the morning recording vocals on my own. Um, is it the best? No. Mm-hmm. Is it effing good enough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's totally. Mm-hmm. Um, like there might need to be a little extra EQ. You know, but like whatever. Yeah, I'm using a great mic um, with some great pre's, um, a little bit of compression and good conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I think it does. You know, it's it's great. 
Um, and then for guitars, I like to bring people in for to help me record acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, for electric guitars, uh, it's all about moving the mic. You mm-hmm. just got to move that mic. Yeah. And you got to move the amp. Move the amp around the room, too. Um, up against, I like to put, a, put it up against a wall, a few feet from a wall sometimes, if I want it to be a little beefier or whatever. So what is that? You're just to kind of like... Um kind of play the room right totally and play the space and yeah like, and listen like stuff record. is acoustically balancing around in there and it's 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 uh influencing yeah and yeah. You, you've probably talked about this and i think it's a pretty common thing but i'll say it again listen listen back yeah that's the biggest thing i can tell people i'm not an expert recorder by any means but if there's anything i can ever give is that record it listen move the mics listen there have been so many times where i listen back to something after i thought it was done and it was but i, I broken everything down you know put the settings back I'm like oh man if i'd only like if i'd only listened to that i would have moved the mic three inches mm-hmm. um and i know you want to get down there and i know you want to record that emotion because you got it going right now um but if you're working on your own or with a you know um maybe like not ideal in quotes uh give yourself some time away from it get a good sound um, really take your time, move the microphone. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, I think it was you, you know, EQ by microphone placement mm-hmm. or strumming patterns or mm-hmm. different things like mm-hmm. that. And then, um, and then take a break, man, go, go for a walk, mm-hmm. get outside. Re- everybody go online and read about what a walk does to your brain. Do that, go for a walk and then come back yeah. and try to get back in that. Don't try to force it. Don't try to be technical and analytical and then creative. Mm. Um, and, and be patient. Um, and then, but just do it and, and don't go down the rabbit hole. If you don't get it in five takes, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. You can practice it. I've practiced things hundreds of times, but if you don't get it in five takes, you're not going to get it. So, so, uh, what do you mean by that? Like if you're, if you, you mean if you're getting like stuck and then you need to walk right. away from it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. After like five takes, you're like, ah, this isn't, I can't get it. You're, then, you're, then you need to stop. You're going right? to be performing from your brain. You're yeah. going to be thinking about it too much. Yeah. And there will always be the exception to the rule. You know, I mean, but, and this is all stuff that I f- find works for me. Um, you know, you want it so bad. You want that take so badly. Um, and I'm thinking particularly with vocals here. Um, but yeah, just sing it a few times, um, and and step away, you know, if and have somebody else there. Um, if you're doing it, if you're working on your own, uh, it takes a lot of diligence and a lot of um, um, like presence um, and a lot of honesty to really produce yourself or to critique yourself. Yeah. And um, and I think it's really important um, if you're lucky enough to be able to have somebody with you to to take advantage of that. Yeah. And, and, and try to get people that you trust. Right. Because if you're second guessing somebody that you're working with, that's not, a, that's not healthy. Yeah. You're not going to get the best stuff. Right. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. I, I, uh, I agree with that. Like, I think, I think that like it, um, particularly when it comes to, to vocals, like if you're an artist, it's like, it's like recording your own stuff and everything. But, um, you know, I, I really do think that it, I think that everybody, needs a producer. I really do. Like, even if, you know, like even like, even when somebody like, uh, David Byrne or Brian Eno who Mm. produced killer records, tons of killer records. Right. But when they go to make their own record and now they're the artist, they get 
somebody else to come there's a reason produce them. producers exist yeah and it doesn't take away from your ability as an artist yeah and it's gonna make totally. you a better artist absolutely and it's just like you said you, you, you get somebody that you really click with that you trust right mm-hmm. and it's like having a coach I mean Michael Jordan needs a coach yeah, you know what yeah, I mean totally. and, he, and the coach is like gonna gonna be able to like help him they're gonna work together and he's going to be a better athlete because of it and perform better in a basketball game because of it, you know, and he's going to see certain things and holes in the game and open up certain ways and like take shots certain ways because of like his coaching, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that, and I think that particularly, um, when it comes to vocals, like if you're somebody who like plays a lot of instruments, like somebody like yourself, right? And you can Mm -hmm. like, maybe you can, you can do a lot of the stuff, but then when it becomes, for one reason or another, vocals, it's just, you it definitely I think you should take you should have somebody and when I say producer I don't mean like you know go hire somebody who's like this grant necessarily a Grammy award-winning producer or something I just mean have like you said somebody there that you trust that that's not you that has this other objective view in that can say I'm seeing it like this and maybe try this and that I suggest that maybe we walk away for a little bit or like no yeah. dude you're thinking about it too much like you like you're not trusting yourself but that is great. Right. You know, that more often than not, I find that, uh, that's the thing that I'm I, like me as a producer working with somebody. I, I find that I, a lot of times I'm just pep talking them to go like, no, trust me and trust yourself. What you did there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, okay. Technically does it like, what are you really looking for? Does it technically hit all the things like bullseye on, on, on all fronts? No, but like, that's the actual thing that makes it, so special right yeah. you know it's the, it's the magic i'm all about taking time and getting great sounds and great performances yeah. um setting yourself up for success yeah making sure your guitar is tuned and intonated and things yeah. like that yeah um but then you know being hearing some of the weird like chunka chunkas on a drum set when you're micing a drum set like that's what a drum set sounds like yeah. don't take that out yeah or you know some flubs on a guitar or right. or some crackling in your voice you have to be you have to be really good already. You can't, I'm not trying to say just don't care if you suck or if you make mistakes, but those moments, you're totally right. It's, it's that, it's that magic thing. And I've seen people, I've done it myself and I've seen other people do it. They sterilize their music. Mm -hmm. They try to make it perfect. Perfect is easy. Art is hard. Yeah. 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 Totally. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I agree with you. Um, um, yeah, vocals are are a difficult one. That's actually something I I want to uh, tackle more of is like talk more people more people about like vocals and 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 write more spend more time in those kind of types of discussions, you know? Like I've yeah. got that resource and recording drums, but I I think vocals are a big one. Vocals but. are tough, you know, because a lot of times it's um, it's about the microphone. Yeah. And then the singers, man, it took a, it took me a while to learn how to sing in a microphone. I mean, I'm st- I'm still learning. Um but uh it's a, uh, it's a lot. There's so yeah. many different variables. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh man, I had this. I had a great question I was going to ask you, and it just escaped me. You're going to ask me about guitar amps? <laughs> I can. Uh, we can go there. We can talk about. You're going to. You're going to ask me about. I don't know. You want to go there? You want to talk about? You want to talk about? You're you're vibing on this need to, this sure. new amp that you got. Oh, so excited! Yeah. I bought something from Guitar Center, which is rare. Um. Yeah, it's a Valco amp. They made the national amps and the Supros. 
um, and it's from 1952, and it's has a tenor speaker, and it wails. That's killer. It just wails. That's awesome. I'm a small wattage amp guy. Yeah, I love that too. Just the tone. I mean, you can get killer tone, and your ears aren't bleeding. Yeah, I just like how it, um, because I, I I really enjoy. Um, whether it be like a top boot, the two, two, like when it comes to guitars, I would say my, here's my favorite thing about guitars is a low wattage amp with a, with like a small speaker, then pairing that with, um, either like a, like a fuzz box of some type, like, I don't know, a big muff or, um, or a top boost. I love top boost pedals, like, uh, sort of. It's not really. It's kind of a top boost pedal. The uh, uh, the Voodoo Lab Sparkle Drive is one of my favorite yeah. pedals. It just gives it some high end sweetness. Or something. Yeah, but it's it's kind of like a. Um, it can be sort of an overdrive pedal, uh, but it can also be just sort of a clean boost kind of thing too. Cool. And you can kind of like. It can kind of go in very varying degrees of in between that. I think that part of I think they um, they try to like sort of kind of emulate a. Uh, tube screamer a little bit i, I remember okay. right for some reason i remember but I, I don't never usually i don't do that even i just turn all the distortion not, all the way down and yeah. try to just use the top boost oh part cool of it, you know that's awesome yeah I'm, yeah I'm not much of a pedal guy i have a a maxon od9 which is the it's a essentially a tube screamer mm-hmm. maxon were the ones that made the first ones um i got it modified by keely to give it a little more fullness which is cool it blew out i have to get a switch put in it um and uh i have this I have a linear power boost that I use to drive my amps. Cool. And then I have this fuzz pedal that my buddy's like 12 year old son made. Really? That is insane. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Is it the only one that exists? I think there might be like 37 of them. Huh. But like Reeves Gabriel has one, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I love one of my favorite things, honestly, is like to search for the, those obscure, like super obscure fuzz boxes. This is, this I, is, fuzz boxes are by far my favorite. Thing. I have I have a super obscure fuzz box. That's I'll, awesome. I'll bring it over. We yeah. can demo it. That's sometime. awesome, man. Um, oh, one of my favorite things about electric guitars, um, and I think anything really, I am a huge fan of room mics mm-hmm. for guitars. Uh, yeah. Cool. <sighs> yeah. Cool. I, it just it adds such a fullness to them. I mean, I will put a fifty-seven right up to the grill cloth any day of the week. Um, but, man, I don't know. Room mics for me are just where it's at. Mm-hmm. Where there's, I mean, um, you know, I've, I've read your post about the different drum miking things. Mm-hmm. Super informative. Cool. But um, I, w- I would encourage people to get weird with room yeah, mics. Absolutely. I, I think I love that because I, room mics are fun, whether it be – Either honestly, like drums or vocals, even or guitar, yeah. and I think that it's it's a fun thing to play around with because you can you can kind of you can take artistic liberties, or if you if you if you just kind of want to do the tried and true kind of like you, you know run of the mill room mic thing for a, a drum kit or something. Here's you know here's your you know typical way that you people approach room mics. Or Great if you want to go, start. you want to just be like, you know what? I want to get wild with it. I mean, you can because you can like mic up your drum kit with like, you know, say like one of the drum setups that's on my resource. You can mic up your drum kit that way. And then you can kind of, if you wanted to, 
you could add like a room mic or two to be sort of the wild card. And it could be like, that's pretty cool. Or you know what? Nah, I'm not vibing on it. I mean, you can just, you can just mute it. I mean, you know, right. so it, I love, I love that. And I love messing around with that. Even I'm, I'm with you on guitar. I love messing around with that on guitar. Yeah, it, too. it gives it such a full sound to me. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of different kinds of music, um, the, the style, the genre will dictate how much room mic you use. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of modern productions, like they're, they favor very tight controlled sounds. Um, but man, I remember this one example, uh, the guy whose son made the fuzz pedal, my buddy, um, he was in a band, um, and, uh, they were recording over this place, this old school tape room and, um, and they had this one room mic and the guy walked around, I mean, it was his room, but he walked around with the guys playing in there, um, and found where it sounded best. He used mm-hmm. his ears, yeah. you know, use your ears yeah. so much T- turn the computer screen off. A side note right now, if anybody's listening right now and they don't know this already, when you're listening back to something, turn your monitor off. It sounds different. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. You listen with your heart and not with your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so he just he found it um, and put the room mic there. And other mics, other mics all over the place. And then began mixing and they wielded it down. And they just used that one mic for the drums. That's killer. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Because it sounded awesome. Yeah. But it takes some work. You got to know yeah. what you're doing. You got to get phase right um, and things like that. But... Well, I, I think that when it comes to the, the, the biggest challenge, I think um, I'm starting to believe this when with just any drum setup, uh, but but especially if you've got one mic or two mics or something, um, it, the challenge really become you it becomes acutely about uh, the playing technique and the drummer just needing to know like he, the drummer really needs to be able to mix himself. You, I mean, you, you can't, drummer. you can't just like, you know, you, you at that point, you really got to be acutely aware of like, if you've got like one mic that's capturing pretty much the entire kit and you know, the drummer is just blasting on the snare drum, but then when they do fills they are not really like digging into the, to the toms very much. Or or they're or they're sm- I, I find yeah. that it's 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 I find that what happens a lot of times is drummers will get really into the groove. So it's like you know on the on the basic groove and it's like kick and snare and they're really feeling it. And then they do like they do a fill and they kind of run around the toms and they don't really like quite dig into them. Mm-hmm. And then they but then they just blast the cymbals. <sighs> So then it ends up being like, or they'll blast the hi-hat. So you end up getting like, yeah. with those minimal techniques, a lot of times you're like, man, I've got all hi-hat. And then the guy, when he get, when it, when they, we get under the bridge or the solo or something, and it's just cymbals and I, I, I don't have any drums anymore. And so that's it becomes about that. It's like counterintuitive. Your drums, in a lot of ways, will sound bigger if you, if you can like sometimes back off just ever so slightly on like how hard you hit kick and snare dig into the toms a little bit more on the fills and then and then don't smash the cymbals you know what i mean man the cymbals will eat things up yeah they'll eat guitars alive yeah oh yeah great point yeah um yeah man i couldn't agree more it, it's so imperative that people focus on their on their instrument yeah and i think i think that's where practice um, I'm sorry, uh, just recording a lot comes yeah. into play. You know, yeah. getting in there and going into the control room, or not even control room, but just like listening, just listening back, whatever, wherever you're recording, mm-hmm. bedroom, studio, basement, and then being like, oh, okay, I'm hitting the cymbals too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that just goes back to musicianship. Yeah. You, you can't skimp on that. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, I, I find myself doing this all the time. After 10 years of making records, I'm... I'm still like chasing my tail about like, man, I can't get this to sound right. 
and mm-hmm. I'm like thinking about how do I need to move the microphone around or how do I need to have the monitor tweak the mix in some way or how do I need to maybe even like sometimes maybe we need a, a different guitar, use a different guitar or something. Yeah. But the obvious thing that it, like that, that doesn't for some reason, a lot of times this you don't, doesn't occur to you is just like, we need to perform it differently. Like we need to tweak how it's performed. We need, it's, it's about the player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man. Acoustic guitars are a great example of this too. Yeah. Where do you strum the strings? Mm-hmm. How do you strum the strings? Mm-hmm. What do you strum the strings with? Mm-hmm. It affects the tone so much. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, if you want to, if you're playing an acoustic guitar and you want some more high end, don't EQ it. Get the guy to strum closer to the bridge. Yeah. Right. Uh, or, you know, if it's not, uh, you know, some guitars, I have one acoustic guitar that you have to be very delicate with, strum it very lightly and it sings. Mm-hmm. It's super rich. The harmonics are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you dig into it, it just, it becomes super thin and flat. Yeah. And some guitars are the opposite. Yeah. You got to dig into them for yeah. them to open up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's and really so weird. that's that's the thing. It's like when I said and I said maybe perform it differently. I think it I think it's almost uh better to say uh different musical technique. Yeah, like maybe. different instrumentation you technique. I, yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 that's something that I think uh, especially people like um starting out is like, "Oh, you know, we'll get a different we need to get a, to get a different mic. We need to plug it into a different piece of gear. We need to use a different whatever and and really like don't do anything just maybe mess around with your playing technique and that might be all that needs to happen you know and then yeah. if that and it, and if he still even after that feel like it's lacking something then maybe look into a different microphone or something like that but i would almost even say at that point that like sometimes I, i'm going to let some of that stuff go like just going yeah you know the way that it like sounds maybe isn't perfect but like the bigger picture of the art and how it's being captured and the vibe of the, the emotion, of the, there. the performance of it. I'm going to let it slide because it's, it's going to be awesome. You know, it's, it's going to be killer. And then like, we're going to finish this project and then like six months, nine months down the road, I'm going to go back and listen to it or somebody's going to listen to it and bring it back up. I'm going to hear it in some way. And I'm not even remember that. It's going to, it's going to be perfect. You oh, know what I mean? It's so nice when that happens. Yeah. You can't get, you can't lose the forest for the trees. Yeah, man. I get so neurotic about things like that sometimes, but you know, if you if you worry too much about it, it's gonna be it's gonna sterilize it. Yeah, but you know you got to practice. You know that's not an excuse to screw around and be sloppy. Yeah, totally. But totally, you can't you can't. Wipe awesome, away. man. I'm gonna um start getting us kind of like towards the uh, the end of the show and wrapping it up. Um, cool. it's been it's been amazing talking been a lot to of fun, you. John. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming by and uh, hanging out and being on the show and just like sharing your philosophies with my with my audience. And oh everything. man, it's groovy, killer. groovy conversation. Yeah, it's always it's been, fun to talk about been, life and music. Yeah, man, it's been killer, and I look forward to um look forward to. Uh, uh, having you back on and just getting more hang time and stuff, man. Heck, heck yeah, bro. Yeah. So, um, I want to ask you two things. One, uh, where can people find out more about you and follow you and, yeah. uh, and, and check out your music and all that stuff. And two, um, what is, um, what has been, a uh, one of the, one of your biggest challenges that you've experienced recently in in music making and how did you break through that challenge? Okay. Well, let me get the easy one out of the way. Um, I have a website, laneabernathy.com, L-A-N-E-A-B-E-R-N-A-T-H-Y. Um, I have some music up there. You can go here. Uh, there's one song right now. If you scroll down to the very bottom of the page and find the SoundCloud button, 
there are other songs to be heard. Um, and you can put your email address in there if you want to keep up to date with gigs and things like that. Would love to stay connected with anybody. Um, and then in breakthroughs, um, I have them... Man, I am constantly battling something, whether it's a demon inside me saying I'm not good enough or hitting playback on my iPhone and hearing me sing and knowing I'm not good enough. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, yesterday I'll say um, I, uh, I, w- I was practicing. I can't emphasize how it, I can't emphasize enough how important practice is um, every day. Um, just singing a song different parts and it wasn't good enough. I didn't have the emotion. I didn't have the, the, my pitch wasn't right. Um, and it's so frustrating to not be able to do that. Um, but I just practiced and I kept practicing and eventually I got it, you know, like things change, you get better. Mm -hmm. You're not stuck. You're not the way you're going to be in five years. Mm -hmm. And if you practice, if you practice being happy, if you practice playing guitar, if you practice singing, you're going to get happier. You're going to be a better guitarist and you're going to be a better singer. Um, it, it It's really incredible. But I think that's the biggest thing I, I, I fight with all the time is not being good enough um, at anything, getting really frustrated, but then forcing myself just to take some deep breaths. Um, I'm not going to worry about it. Eventually we'll all be dead and none of this is going to matter. <laughs> um, and then and just keep moving forward. And it turns out, you know, and 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 it's happened enough times that I feel comfortable with it, and and I know that eventually, um, eventually it's gonna pay off. Killer man, awesome! What a uh, what a great way to end the show, man. Thanks, oh, thanks for all that. Thanks for sharing your philosophies. It's been killer. So, um, uh, you want to set up? We're gonna play uh, one last song, okay. and do you want to kind of um, uh, what's the name of this song that we're? This song's called In and Out of Love. Cool. Um, it's a kind of an amalgamation of the story of my parents, where I came from, and some personal experiences. I find that uh, there, you know, you talk about love, you talk about these things, about stuff. Oftentimes, it just gets in the way. Uh, you just need to keep your mouth shut and just keep being you. Don't try to explain your emotions too much. If you love somebody, tell them, but don't get over analytical with them. Um, but then my parents, man, when every time I broke up with a girlfriend or she broke up with me and I was bummed out, my mom would be like, you know, your dad and I, we were always breaking up and getting back together. Hmm. And one time I was like 18 in college, or high school and was complaining because I didn't have anything to do on a Saturday night. And my mom goes, well, just you and your friend, just get a six pack beer and just drive around the just drive around the roads. That's what your dad and I used to do. And then she was like, <laughs> she immediately caught herself wow. and said, wait a minute, don't do that. It was a different time <laughs> back then. But uh, yeah, so my parents, they would just, I grew up in Bellbuckle, Tennessee, this really country town middle of Tennessee and they just you know down there I've done this a bunch and they do this a bunch when they're um, dating you just drive around the country roads you don't really you don't really know where you're going but eventually you'll hit a road you know and I just use that as a metaphor cool. for for life and for love you know you don't know where you're gonna go that's okay eventually you'll come to a road that you recognize but get lost killer man yeah. awesome all right well that's it that's it for this episode. This has been episode 39 of the Modern Recorders. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, thanks for being being here and hanging with us. And uh, there's more 
There's always more. Um, so make sure that you get subscribed and stay subscribed. And the two main ways that you can do that are by one, going to my website and signing up to my email list. Make sure that you are uh, connected there. And I will uh, always make sure that you get linked up. One of the first people to get linked up to whenever new shows come out, which uh, happens every week, every Monday. So go get subscribed there. The uh, other main way you can do that is go over to iTunes, search for The Modern Recordists, search uh, search for The Modern Recordists, and then hit the subscribe button there. And uh, while you're on iTunes, please make sure that you leave a rating and review as well. Good and honest ratings and reviews help communicate the value of this show. So if you're getting something out of this, make sure that you communicate that to other people and it helps us continue to bring on great guests and share great stuff with you. So go do that. And then lastly, I want to make sure to ask you to share this podcast with a few friends. If you're getting something out of this, uh, if you got something out of this episode, make sure that you share it with at least three friends. You can drop a link in a text message or an email or a tweet or a Facebook post or something like that. So that is it. Episode 39 with Lane Abernathy. What? Awesome. Thanks for being here. And uh, yep, there's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary. Create something impactful in the world. And now here is Lane Abernathy playing out the show with his song In and Out of Love. Shut it down, she says, this is fine We've caught all night I don't know where this old road goes But I think we'll be just fine Falling in and out of love Can't put your finger on what you want All this talking only complicates What you try to say But you can't let love wait Fast and wild Still a child though And you don't know what that means It's black and white But you can't decide What it is you think you see Falling in and out of love Can't put your finger on what you want All this talking only complicates What you try to say But you can't let love wait In a sick but scared to live A sparrow in the storm Blown by the wind A heart of gold So much to
to give All you've gotta do Is learn to give in When you're Falling in and out of love And can't put your finger on what you want All this talking only complicates what you try to say But you can't let love wait Not another day